Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome, everyone, to RV1 Colon of Fantasy Football Podcast, part of the Fake Kings Podcast channel. I am the consummate professional, first-ranking officer of the Terry McLaurin Stand Club, diamond mounter at the Jerry Judy Jewelry Company, and BFFs with the Oracle, your humble host, Pete Rogers, and I am joined by all of the guys. We have the Duck Father, believer in the Deshaun Watson gospel, founder and lone proprietor of the Gus the Bus Four Seasons Busing Service, and caster of the Double Reverse Hutzpah. Resident old man Clark Barnes, Scotty Miller fanboy, mule skinner of the Zachers Decline Wagon, head excavator of the Robert Tanyan Canyon, and proud father Quentin Nelson, the tight end whisperer Jordan Smith, and finally, doubter of John Gruden's Jacob's Handle shtick, the Prashad Perryman Ferryman, lifeguard and training at your neighborhood Chase Claypool and thinks your favorite team is run by donkeys, uh, the ginger bearded man, Nick Bodiford. Guys, how are we doing today? Doing great, Pete. Doing great. Good, Pete. How are you? I am doing well. You can tell it's going to be a successful podcast when, before we recorded, we peer pressured Clark into going and finding a hat uh, as he wandered throughout his house to put on what the viewers can't, the listeners can't see, but is a gorgeous, gorgeous Oilers hat. Might be the best hat out of all of us. It is. It's confirmed. It is the best hat. Good. Good. I do like Jordan's pink hat. I have no idea what's on it, but the the Velcro. Uh, I took this one. Found it in the closet. It's a uh, Corona light oh. hat. Oh, so. Jordan! Jordan's living on a beach right now. You got to find your own beach when it's uh, dark at four thirty p.m. here in Wisconsin and cold as hell. So. Oh my God! It is. Let me tell you, I am. I vibe that hard here in New Hampshire, where I have to walk Bert at like three forty-five. Otherwise, he uh, he won't go outside because it gets dark at like four fifteen. And uh, Bert, fun fact for you listeners at home, does not like to poop when it is dark outside. So we have to make sure he gets out there when there's still a little bit of light so he can see where he's pooping. All right. Well, we got lots to talk about on the NFL docket. Uh, We are just going to run through week 11, talk about some takeaways, because there was a lot of things that kind of went down that we want to make sure we're covering from the fantasy perspective. And then, of course, we'll leave you with some top waiver ads for week 12 guys you should be targeting on the waiver wire so let's jump right into the news and the headline of this week's news is very sad very upsetting for basically everyone in the nfl as joe burrow got injured tore his acl mcl other ligaments in his knee basically it exploded uh he got tackled i don't even know who hit him but it was against the washington football team and you could tell right as the injury happened that uh, he got rolled up on and it his knee bent the wrong way didn't look great he was carted off the field obviously there was lots of uh teammate emotion and an opponent's emotion uh on display and it just sucks because you see 
we were watching, you know, it was Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert and Tua to a little extent, but those two guys have just been incredible for their respective teams in their rookie year. And it absolutely blows to see Joe Burrow's season get cut short like it did. Uh, Jordan, we'll start with you. Obviously, this is a huge knock to the Bengals offense, which was already teetering. Uh, we saw it be absolutely nothing last year. And with the addition of Joe Burrow, it has turned into something. A lot of us have been relying on people in this offense for fantasy who do you think is the one player who is most impacted uh, by Joe Burrow's absence on this uh, Bengals offense? Um, well, I would want to say Tyler Boyd, but he's the best wide receiver on the team. So he'll likely still get his targets. I might say if you're still trying to hope for some AJ Green uh, points to come in, uh, he's been getting still targets all the time from Joe Burrow. I think they've just been trying to establish that sort of connection with each other. So I don't think, Ryan Finley is going to come in and provide that same sort of magic. Um, Joe Mixon has been out, so I don't really know uh, anybody else I would trust on this team outside of Boyd. So an already struggling and difficult team to uh, put trust in. Anyone outside of Joe Mixon loses uh, their quarterback, and I'm blanking. Burrow. There we go, Joe Burrow. Uh, the Bengals are absolutely atrocious and burrow was putting out herculean efforts to make them even somewhat entertaining to watch and with him gone i'm looking to start any defense i can against the Bengals, and this is another incredibly sad chapter and an incredibly sad franchise <laughs> i'm abandoning all Bengals. if i was holding out any hope even in dynasty they're going to be terrible for a very very long time and it looks like joe burrow the the tweets i'm seeing acl mcl and other stuff this is not i mean uh, hopefully quick injury but like probably not a six month deal no i'm just out on everyone yeah i've seen i've seen it all the way up to like a 12 month recovery full year recovery which uh would obviously impede his his viability for 2021 it is just awful to see nick what is what are you feeling about this Bengals offense now well, so as far as the recovery window goes, I think I saw uh, David Chow talking about uh, a week one return is still possible. I don't, that's not necessarily an endorsement, but you know, I guess that's better than not possible. I've been going over uh, Ryan Finley's box scores from last year when he had a three game stint as the starter. And to be fair, there, there is uh, some beat reporter. I don't know if you guys have noticed this, but the Bengals beat reporters the two main guys outside of Goodberry, um, Ben Baby and Tyler Dragon have just fabulous names. Incredible uh, names. <laughs> yeah. But so, so uh, anyway, for the usable information here. So last year, Boyd had, uh, Tyler Boyd had uh, an average depth of target of around 8.4 yards. This year he's up to 9.2. Uh, Finley targeted Boyd and Auden Tate the most with like one spike week from Alex Erickson. Um, Boyd, I mean, I assume he's going to go back to that kind of safety blanket role. And since Tate has been kicked to the curb and T Higgins is like a physical clone of him. Um, I, I think that he's, I Higgins may be like the, 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 the number two guy there. I'm not putting any money on, uh, green or either of the tight ends, but one thing I did, uh, other than I'll stop talking in a second here, but one thing that did stand out to me was, um, they they really ran the football a lot. Like in Finley's first start last year, Mixon had 30 carries. 
Uh, it, it dwindled a little bit, but it, they became a really run heavy team. And, and Finley did have like 25 yards a game on the ground, but um, I, I think it's a, a really, really bad situation. And yeah, Boyd's probably the one pass catcher. But my question is, what do you guys think this does for, for Geo? Yeah, this, I mean, this Rockets deal, because Joe Mixon's on IR right now. So he's out for at least two more weeks because they put him on prior to week 11. So he's going to have week 11, 12, and 13 on IR before he is allowed to move. And that's not even to say that he'll be back on the field by week, you know, 14. Geo is is the clear-cut guy in that backfield. And I was just about to say, Nick, first, I God, I hope T. Higgins continues to perform because I have been very nicely relying on him in multiple of my fantasy leagues because he's been a nice little uh, breakout stud. But for Geo, if they emphasize that ground game, which I'm sure they will, and just as we've seen with any kind of, you know, young, not even young, backup quarterback, backup quarterbacks, they love to, you know, check it down to their running backs when they feel pressure, when they're under, you know, under duress. And so I think Geo being a pass catching back and also someone who has shown that he can run between the tackles, you know, with mild success, I think Geo is, is going to, you know, see a big uptick in work this from, from this injury, uh, unfortunately. Fortunately for fantasy managers, unfortunately for the Bengals, uh, and is the I would say the only guy in this Bengals offense that has like the biggest positive tick from the, from this injury. I think that what you guys have said about Tyler Boyd makes a ton of sense too. Where we might see Tyler Boyd and and T Higgins have been kind of competing for that number one gig with Joe Burrow under setter with T Higgins seeing a little bit more work recently. Um, but I would I wouldn't be surprised if that flips back to almost the entirely Tyler Boyd show with uh, with uh, whatever his name is Finley under center. I was gonna say I, I do remember that um, Auden Tate like little burst that he had at the end of last season. Like he was playable in deeper leagues because he was getting targeted. So there's a chance that Ryan Finley and T Higgins also have some sort of connection, especially uh, Higgins was running with the twos uh, earlier in the season. Um, as far as Gio Bernard goes, I think he's at least playable in probably three of their last five games. There's only five weeks left until the championships guys, um, because they do have games against the dolphins and the Steelers, which are going to be tough. Uh, but every other game around those, they have the giants Cowboys and the Texans. So some playable matchups and some not so playable matchups. So as you guys can hear, the dog's super pissed about this news. Um, but uh, Or maybe he's quieting. No, there he is. Um, <laughs> Samaj P. Ryan, though, he got 46% of the team's rushes. And I don't – or uh, snaps, that is, last week. I don't think we should spend too much time on the Bengals. But uh, I don't think he's going to do anything worthwhile for fantasy managers. But I think he might hurt uh, he Bernard could catch Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that, that would be a bummer. But seems very in keeping with uh, the Bengals and just general football, not caring about fantasy football. You think they would respect us more. We are a vital part of the game. Uh, let's move on to another injury. One of the only other major injuries that came out of week 11. Uh, again, similar instance. We don't have confirmation on this, but I would say Rex Burkhead left the Patriots Texans game with an injury and it looked like his ACL got torn. He again, got smacked right in the knee with his foot getting caught classic. What you've seen now is to like, that is what makes the ACL tear. Um, so this shakes up the Patriots backfield, which now uh, has Damian Harris, James white and Sony Michelle came off IR. He didn't play week 11, but he is now back and healthy. And, and in that mix, um, a little bit of waiver wire work here, 
James White is available. Uh, I think he's only rostered in 40% of Yahoo leagues. He is going to be the number – he is the pass-catching back for New England. Now it's, 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 it's no longer uh, between him and Burkhead. It is solely James White. Damian, neither Damian Harris or Sonny Michel are used in the passing game for the Patriots. So I think the, the James White is going to be a matchup play. Uh, obviously, he's not a great runner between the tackles. That's not exactly how the Patriots use him. So you're going to be looking to get him in situations where the Patriots are down and need to pass to stay in the game like – they did against the Texans um, where James White was far more used than Damian Harris and came away with a better fantasy uh, output because of that. But it sucks to see Rex Burkhead leave uh, with injury. He was uh, a pretty do-it-all guy for them, both rushing and receiving, and, and had a couple of really nice fantasy games. But this does lend itself to a little more clarity in that Patriots backfield and some actionable takes you can do, which is going to, going to stash James White, especially if you're in a PPR league. Yeah, sucks to see Burkhead go down. I, your analysis is is spot on. I don't want to over overly simplify or overly simple simply analyze this as yeah, maybe things got more clear and then Sony Michelle came back. So a still befuddling and confusing, potentially abundantly scoring backfield is still really befuddling and confusing and potentially abundantly scoring. I I mean Damian Harris is the guy to have and James White and PPR for sure, but. Remember, Sony Michelle had six really good games to close the season last year. So just, oh boy, I feel better about James White, but that's yeah. it. Yeah, he looked really good against the Raiders too. Um, I do want to say quickly, this kind of irked me during the Texans Patriots game. Uh, first of all, well done, Clark. A battle well won. Uh, yeah, we did a really <laughs> great job. It really irked me, and I, I can't. I don't know who was commentating the game, but whoever the main guy was kept bringing up the fact in like a bad way that like Deshaun Watson was ta- was saying that he was putting together a really good season and and the commentator kept being like I mean he says he's got good stats but I don't know about that record I mean that doesn't seem to be something to be touting when you have a bad record as a team and it just rubbed me the wrong way like Deshaun Watson should be touting his own stats because Deshaun Watson is playing incredibly Deshaun Watson is playing like a top five quarterback in the league right now. And he's getting lost in this absolutely hot garbage Texans team. And so I'm fully here for a, a player of any stature to be like, Hey, look, I am Deshaun Watson is doing what it takes, what he, everything he can do to like make this Texans team a winning team. And it's just not happening. I, that irked me the wrong way. I don't know who the commentator was. If I did my research, I would, I would know who it was and I could shout him out. Uh, name first, but I can't. So just wanted to say, using my platform, it rubbed me the wrong way. Yeah, Pete, welcome to my world. When no one cares about your football team, you get the dregs of the announcer society. <laughs> Only through the retirement of Dan Deerdorf did the play-by-play situation in Houston improve. The bleak existence you lead, Clark. I am. I caught a. I had it for a, a Sunday afternoon, and I don't relish it. All right, let's move on in the news. Uh, the biggest outside of Joe Burrow getting injured, huge storyline that we went all into last year or last week with, and it was on display was the Taysom Hill experience in New Orleans. And what an incredible gig it was. Uh, we saw Taysom Hill at the helm. He was the surprise start instead of Jameis Winston because Sean Payton needs to see whether or not his 31-year-old quarterback who had 18 career pass attempts up until that point was their franchise quarterback of the future after Drew Brees retires. Yes, those are not lies that I am saying. 
Uh, Nick, what did you see out of the first week of Taysom Hill, uh, Taysom Hillness in New Orleans in terms of fantasy? Obviously, he had a good fantasy game, but what about what about those surrounding him? Well, uh, I mean, Mike Thomas looked like the the target monster of old. Uh, the I don't I don't think the yeah the the target totem pole was not very uh, close. It was Mike Thomas with twelve. Sanders had five, and the next highest was two. Of course, this really really hurts Alvin Kamara's ceiling uh he had one target zero i'm sure every, uh, zero catches i'm sure everybody's heard at this point it's the first game of his career in 54 games where he's not caught a, a pass uh that's terrible for his his ceiling that said you know they have they have great matchups so i'm not that worried about it but uh hill he was a beast uh rushing and i think it was kind of goofy that they they actually just stuck to their typical new orleans saints uh offense i don't know if that was breeze just saying or uh, Peyton telling everybody to F off, uh, but they did it. And, um, you know, they won. Uh, I was the, the, I, uh, I'm totally spacing. I, Oh no, I was just going to uh, complain about the fact that ESPN like an hour ago announced that they're taking away Taysom Hill's tight end eligibility. And uh, I, you know, I remember being really happy when they, rapidly adjusted Ty Montgomery's running back viability in Green Bay when he became a running back. But this seems like something that maybe uh, could have been taken care of before everybody used their waiver wire picks to go get themselves uh, a tight end. Um, I don't know what you guys have to say about that, but it uh, rubbed me the wrong way. It rubbed Nick the wrong way. A show about rubbing people the wrong way. Yeah, he looked pretty good. Uh, not like a fantastic quarterback, but certainly good enough to move the odd offense. Uh, he seemed to understand that Michael Thomas is extremely good and he was going to throw him the ball no matter what, which is fantastic for Thomas owners. You hit on how this limits Kamara, but the Saints actually looked okay. So I think we're still okay running the guys that we wanted to out against them. Surprised Latavius Murray didn't get more run and wouldn't be surprised if he does get more next game. Yeah, this is a, probably just a really good game to trot out Taysom Hill at quarterback because Atlanta's defense is just flat out not good. Uh, it definitely hurts Alvin Kamara's fantasy viability if Taysom Hill's not going to pepper him with a few more targets and have them all going towards Michael Thomas, which, you know, inversely uh, helps out Michael Thomas. Uh, Taysom Hill looked fine as a quarterback. Uh, his upside from fantasy perspective comes from the fact that he is a, he is a threat to just take off and you know running him out on some uh, boot action and getting him into uh, some open spaces will definitely benefit the the Saints make him a little bit more dynamic and um, I am yeah I'm I'm glad I didn't face Taysom Hill anywhere this week um, the only tight end that outscored him or heavy air quotes tight end that outscored him was Travis Kelsey. So I, um, I'm just glad that didn't happen. I wish they would have just made some sort of designation beforehand. Like I, I get that the saints use him as a tight end before all of this happened, but I don't know. It's switch, that, switch it once you know, he's being called the starting QB because he's yeah. Anyway, let that also also be uh, evidence to Clark's point of Travis Kelsey should be worth a first round pick in your fantasy drafts because he outscored a quarterback playing at the tight end position. So 
<laughs> like Travis Kelsey uh, should be a first round draft pick in your fantasy drafts because the man has been like the tight end three or tight end one the last four weeks. And the only time he wasn't was because the Chiefs were on a buy. So he's been incredible this year. So, um, yeah, the the Alvin Kamara target share is I'll be interested to see what next week holds. But it's some, it's definitely worrisome because of the fact that when quarterbacks get in trouble, when Drew Brees got in trouble, when pressure was there, he would quickly just dump it off to Kamara or get the ball, get rid of the ball quickly. Whereas Taysom Hill will scramble and, instead of dumping it off. And so we could see Kamara have a just basically see that passing game not completely erased uh, for as long as Brees is out. But at the very least, certainly diminished greatly where you're now going to be having Kamara have to get those points through primary the ground as opposed to as a pass catching back. They might they might scheme some ways in to get him more involved in the passing game after what was just kind of a, you know, first game with Taysom Hill under center. Like you're going to just kind of get the win and get out of there with it. Uh, so we might see more Alvin Kamara, but I, I would, wouldn't be surprised if Kamara's target share drops with Taysom Hill under center. So that's the biggest thing I would think I would take away from the Saints offense now. All right, we're going to take a quick break for some advertisements. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, back to some Week 11 takeaways. All right, talking about another backfield, two backfields. We finally saw rookie running backs who we've been waiting to see them take over their back respective back backfields. It came to fruition with J.K. Dobbins for the Ravens taking over that backfield and Jonathan Taylor taking over the backfields in uh, Indianapolis. Dobbins had 15 carries compared to three from Gus Edwards and two from Mark Ingram uh, against the Titans. And then Jonathan Taylor against the Packers 22 carries versus six from Naheem Hines and four from Jordan Wilkins. Uh, this is uh, great news for these owners, right, Clark? Except for the fact that J.K. Dobbins now has COVID. But, <laughs> but other than that, do you do you think do you think that this is now the the week we've seen the week now where these backfields are officially? We'll start with the Colts, I guess, because J.K. Dobbins, like I said, J.K. Dobbins and Mark Ingram both have COVID, so they're out. Uh, so it's fire up Gus the bus. But specifically for the Colts, Clark, do you think that this is we've seen this transition now officially made where it is Jonathan Taylor's backfield and we no longer have to stress and worry about it being split between three different backs? No, sorry. I think Naeem Hines is still the back to own. And this was just a, a Taylor week. We've seen Wilkins get a lot of run before, and I think it just happened to be Taylor this time. They're still very happy to spread the ball around watching the game. I didn't think Taylor really stood out as just an amazing uh, can't take him off the field guy. Uh, the other backs, well, Jordan Wilkins looked like Jordan Wilkins, but uh, Naheem Hines looked like Naheem Hines. So 
nothing new in Indianapolis. I think Dobbins, on the other hand, is the best back. And that's saying a lot because I really like Gus Edwards. And Dobbins looks like the best back and a more versatile back than Gus Edwards. So I think that this is a sign that he's stepping into that leading role. He'll still share because they just run the ball too much to just have one running back. But still not sold on Taylor being the absolute bell cow, but Dobbins is working his way towards it. So Justice Hill lives. Is that where we're at? Oh, is he the – I mean, it's only Gus Edwards. Is, is Justice Hill now behind Gus Edwards? Now the Ra- yeah. Ravens' top two backs are – well, there you go. Facing the Pittsburgh uh, yeah. Steelers uh, Thursday. Let's do this. So it's an easy matchup. We have nothing to worry about. Nothing could go wrong. Definitely. Uh, yeah, no, don't don't get on the Justice Hill bandwagon. Uh, Edwards, obviously, top waiver wire pick. I uh, just want to call John Harbaugh a complete asshole. Yes, for thank you, Nick. Protocol. Um, the, oh, that you too. know, well, well, we can do that. Uh, the, well, so the end it, of the game where he just completely shunned Mike Vrabel because the Titans were in their head. Oh, well, I mean, Vrabel, like, tried to fight it. I don't know. Yeah, I don't get the fuck out of awesome. John Harbaugh. Get um, out of here, Harbaugh. But, I mean, he, they, they, to my understanding, they broke COVID protocol. They had people test positive on game day and did not alert the NFL, which they, you're not supposed to play if you have that. And they just quarantined them and played anyway. And now you put a whole bunch of people in jeopardy. And, I mean, if, if caring about COVID isn't your thing, well, now you put games in jeopardy because we, we don't know what the fallout from this is going to be. So I don't know, just total asshole. Uh, go add Gus Edwards. <laughs> Are we on to the Colts side of things? Sure. You can talk about the Colts. Uh, the only thing I'll say is that this is like the exact kind of trap situation that I don't think any fantasy manager wants to be in the Titans defense is just (laughs) terrible and Jonathan Taylor looking down the barrel of of this this matchup it looks great right like if you're in the playoff hunt and and Jonathan Taylor just did this for you that last week and now he gets the Titans I I don't know how you sit him but like, I don't think – can you guys trust any of these guys? I, I know, Clark, I think you just said that Hines is still the top dog there. But can you do you feel comfortable starting any of the three uh, as more than a flex play? Nope. Nope. Jordan's pondering. No. I, I, I think that um, Naheem Hines, they've been using him a lot as, like, a slot guy. And Paris Campbell is in no way uh, close to coming back. So that – spot is a little bit of a vacancy right now and um, I think that's pushing targets away from some other players possibly but um, Jordan Wilkins I think if if Jonathan Taylor continues to uh, hold on to the ball and have good games then that pushes Jordan Wilkins down uh, the depth chart as far as the Ravens go I think it's really about time that they just started to unleash jk dobbins and put the football in his hands because literally every time he has the ball in his hands he hits the hole he looks like a cannonball being shot out of a cannon like he just looks way more explosive than the other two running backs and i did not they've been struggling all year they're uh the record six and four but they look like they're a much worse team than that because their offense has been struggling and they continue to, I don't know why, but they just really want to give Mark Ingram and Gus Edwards carries and they don't need to do that. Agreed. All right. Uh, also in the news, uh, we had a kind of bounce back game for the uh, Dallas Cowboys offense. 
admittedly it was against the Minnesota Vikings, which uh, a defense that everyone has taken advantage of so far this year. But we did see both CeeDee Lamb and Amari Cooper return to fantasy relevance. Cooper had seven targets, caught six of them for 81 yards, and CeeDee Lamb carried the ball twice for 12 yards, but also uh, six targets, four catches, 34 yards, and a touchdown. And let me say, if you haven't seen CeeDee Lamb's touchdown, go watch it because it was absolutely incredible. Uh, It was an amazing readjustment on the ball and catch. So uh, my question to you, Nick, we'll start it off. Uh, Have Amari Cooper and CeeDee Lamb returned to that, like, they are must-start guys. They are guys you should confidently always be having in your lineup uh, from here on out. Uh, I, I think, uh, I think yes. I think yes is the answer here. Um, but I think more importantly, week 12 is going to be illustrative of what we might see the Cowboys do in week 16. So this week they've got the Washington football team, great defensive line, very little in the secondary Meanwhile, Philadelphia in week 16, championship week, great defensive line. They do have Slay, but they're getting toasted by receivers. So I think that the way that uh, Dallas attacks uh, week 12, their week 12 matchup is going to kind of tell us what they might do in week 16. So uh, I would feel comfortable starting both C.D. Lamb and Amari Cooper this week, probably also Dalton Schultz, um, Michael Gallup, no way. But uh, those other three, yeah. And uh, just keep this in mind the way that they go about week 12. Uh, Keep that in mind for for week 16 if you're so lucky to have made it there. Yeah, I'm probably um, having Amari Cooper at least as a wide receiver too, just given his his history and his general skill and C.D. Lamb as a flex option. Um, I think even with the sloppy quarterback play, the Cowboys have kind of shown that they want to figure out how uh, to get the ball into C.D. Lamb's hands, whether that's in the passing game, um, letting him run the ball, or even grabbing some punt returns. So they they know what kind of dynamic player they have there, and that's just good usage is good for fantasy. So Yeah, Dalton proves to be competent in his return, and so that's good for all of the Cowboys. I don't know how excited you want to get because he's certainly not as good as Dak Prescott, but all the Ezekiel Elliott owners are breathing a slight sigh of relief now that touchdowns should be coming back to Dallas. Yeah, it's going to be a tough road uh, these next two games. They play Washington and then they play Baltimore, uh, both of which have solid defenses. Uh, So it'll be interesting to see what the Cowboys offense looks like through those games. But after that, if they do you know, play through those and and look serviceable. They play Cincinnati, play San Francisco, and then they play the Eagles. So that Cincinnati game could be a nice little boost. But if they, you know, we have seen this offense, if they are, if this offense is going to be moving the ball more effectively, they're going to be relying on those three guys, Mari Cooper, CeeDee Lamb, and Ezekiel Elliott. That, that seems pretty set in stone with Dalton Schultz kind of spiced in there. So I would agree with the general consensus. I think I have CeeDee Lamb in one of my leagues and I had up until this point been benching him. I, I played him against the Vikings just because I was like, all right, the Vikings are trash. And I think I, he's now back in my starting lineup and uh, I will put him, I'll leave him there regardless, unless he, you know, posts his back to back shitty performances. But even then uh, those will probably be against Washington and uh, the Ravens. And then I'll give him a shot against the Bengals. Uh, a guy who did not get, well, he did get a shot, but it didn't turn out well. Uh, the Dolphins benched Tua Tungavailoa in his, what, third start uh, against the Broncos. He went 11 for 20, but 
was not pushing the ball downfield, only 83 yards. He did a, did throw a touchdown, but was not moving the ball. The offense was looking stagnant. Uh, they put in Ryan Fitzpatrick. Of course, Ryan Fitzpatrick goes 12 for 18, throws 117 uh, while also throwing a pick, um, which ultimately sealed the game, but was pushing the ball down the field, was moving it. It seems like Tua is going to continue to be the starter. It looked like Brian Flores just made that move solely to try to win that game. But Jordan, should we be worried for those who are relying on Tua or just for this offense that this offense maybe is going to be in flux, especially the passing game, if Brian Flores is going to be bouncing between Ryan Fitzpatrick and Tua Tungavailoa if you know if Tua ever struggles again? Um, this is I've been generally on board with the Brian Flores uh, just unit and what they've been able to do in Miami, but this decision was ultimately really curious to it was weird bench to uh i i know like statistically he wasn't uh really pushing it down the field but the offense as a whole it's hard to put it all on to what they're not exactly um operating with the best uh weapons out there i mean salvin Ahmed only had uh 43 yards on 12 carries so it's not exactly like the running game was much support missing miles gaskin in this game for sure um they should have just given him the opportunity to try to dig himself out of a hole. It's kind of like they, they hid him from the adversity. They didn't really rely on their quarterback, who is a championship caliber quarterback from college and played on one of the best uh, football teams we've seen in recent memory in the BCS. So I think that um, it's just a curious decision to me. I think going forward, we'll probably see Tua – uh, back, um, you just got to hope for Brian Fitzpatrick doesn't uh, keep on making some weird, uh, weird appearances in these games halfway through. Yeah, I think we'll all forget about this once he toasts the Jets. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing, nothing gets you right quite like playing the Jets. Who, uh, what Justin Herbert threw for like 250 yards in the first 10 minutes of that game. Also, Justin Herbert's haircut did not diminish his powers, which, thank God, thank God, because I was worried that looking like Sid from Toy Story was going to tank his his prospects. All right, last point in the news. This is just an open-ended question, and we'll start with you, Clark, because good effing Lord, if you watch the Eagles-Browns game, Carson Wentz has just been struggling all season. That much is obvious, and he threw one of the absolutely ugliest pick sixes I have ever seen where he just basically threw up a lame duck to Miles Sanders while getting smacked. And uh, I forget his name. It was an amazing name. It's like Taka Taka or something like that for the Taki Taki Taki. There you go. Uh, Picks it off because it's just a fucking rainbow of a pass and runs it in for a touchdown. So Clark, should the Eagles bench Carson Wentz? So I feel like there's a lot of really interesting ways to ask this question. And I think how you ask it, determines the answer it's you know should the three and seven or or what like three six and one eagles bench carson wentz that sounds really compelling should the first place three six and one eagles bench carson wentz? eagles <laughs> yeah so no i mean uh because while carson wentz has been playing really really poorly who are you going to bench him for 
some rookie who has gotten into games and hasn't really looked that great, just been given some running plays. So maybe he's really good. Maybe he's one of these guys that comes into the league and just absolutely lights it up. There's that like 3% chance that that's it. He's probably going to be worse than Carson Wentz playing behind that still terrible offensive line with no wide receivers, not named Travis Fulham. So no, you don't bench him, even though, man, like you just wonder if all of the teams could elect to not win the division. It looks like they'd all throw their hat in the ring. Like, and just yeah. I don't think a single team in the AFC, NFC East like is striving to win that division. Except like maybe- Alex Smith is going to lead Washington to a six and 10 playoff berth. Hell yeah. I am here for, I was just about to say maybe Washington though, even still they need a franchise quarterback, but maybe Alex Smith can, uh, can hold them over for a couple of years. Alex Smith is the best quarterback in the, uh, in the Ooh. East right now. And that's not a hot take. It's just Andy Dalton. And what happened to Carson Wentz? I mean, sorry, Daniel Jones. That's not yeah, Daniel Jones. Come on. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think that this kind of all falls on Doug Peterson and I know Wentz is, is kind of broken right now, but the lack of success in the post John D. Filippo and Frank Reich world seems to be glaring, at least to me. Uh, I don't think bringing a rookie quarterback in, uh, like you said, you know, for the first place team in the NFC East, Clark, uh, is is good process. Uh, and, and as just an aside, um, I hope that they give out two comeback player of the year awards, one for Alex Smith and one for Cam, because mm-hmm. I think that this is kind of a unique season where we've had two guys come back from some pretty crazy injuries. And uh, I think any other year Cam would be taking this no problem, but it's it's going to be Alex Smith, given that he went from nearly losing his leg to now, you know, playing in the NFL again. Yeah, Alex Smith seems to clear luck, but I I mean I can't hate any Cam Love. They've they've ponied up for a couple co MVPs, so I think they can do the same for for comeback player. Yeah, to think. The what's happening to Carson Wentz, because don't forget Carson Wentz, uh he did tear his ACL a couple years ago and had a back injury. And like you really hope this is the thing where it's like, yes. The, the medicine has uh, has drastically improved and surgery has been, you know, ACL is not the doomsday that it once was for a career, obviously. But these are the kinds of things where it's like, this is why the Joe Burrow injury is like absolutely terrible and why the Bengals should be like held accountable for not putting at least a halfway decent offensive line around him because we've seen RG3, completely tanked RG3's career. Carson Wentz has been I mean, clearly something is not right with Carson Wentz, even till like this is two or three years afterwards. Like you really hope that this didn't just like completely tap what Joe Burrow's ceiling is going to be when we saw what the potential was that was endless there. So I, I haven't sat down and watched like six Philly games in a row, but I try to watch them every week and every week Carson Wentz one looks like he misses a few plays but two just looks under complete duress the rest of the time. And then the plays that he does make seemingly are sabotaged by everyone else, not named Miles Sanders on the team. So I think that he is kind of seeing ghosts. And I think that he has slowed. He has a really long windup and delivery. And when things are cooking, that looks great. But when you're getting pressured, that's how you throw 50 yard interceptions. That's how you get fumbles. That's how you do all that stuff. I think a lot of the Eagles problems are a lot deeper than Carson Wentz though my point being Miles Sanders is good 
Travis Fulham is good, but that offensive line is just completely maligned, and that team just is completely in shambles and in first place in the NFC East. <laughs> are, you, are you guys treating him against uh, Seattle this week? I mean, this is what the do you best. Mean? Like, you're not starting Carson Wentz, are you? What about any of the pass catchers? No. Fulham. Yeah, I'm, so, I mean, that's really? are you going with Fulham or are you going with Rieger? I would go with Fulham. I would, I mean, I would maybe go with Bo. I would use Rieger as like a DFS flyer because he's probably going to be like 4,000 bucks. And you're just like, yeah, fuck it. Let's see. Like Nelson Aguilar, who's like 30, 27%, something like that owned, or Travis Fulham. Fulgham. I don't know how to say it. However you say it. Oh, I would go Nelson Aguilar. Right. And Nelson Aguilar is free and out Nelson available. Aguilar has been balling. Well, he's laid two huge duds when I've decided yeah, you're to Clark. play him. He's in balling. He's incredible. His box scores are just like, – don't look best. at him. It's, like three, it's a it's roller Randy coaster. Randy Moss level. It's two catches for 50 yards and a touchdown. I love it. But yeah, there, there's just a lot of guys on waivers that I would rather play. Even though I think Fulham is really good, I just – the Eagles look cursed. Yeah, when, I don't do. know. And it has gotten me worried about yeah, that, Sanders too. That offensive line has just been – it's not like they haven't been trying to put together like a decent offensive line and get the right pieces there, but they've just been absolutely decimated with injuries. And it, injuries happen to every other team. So it's like even when you're putting – you're down to your second-string guys along that line, it's about can you get them to play together as a unit? Can you coach them up? I mean – like if I can brag about the one bright spot for the Packers yesterday, it's that they moved <laughs> Elton Jenkins to center and they were fine. Like that's a pretty tricky move to make, but they still did it. And they're able to rotate things in and out and put the pieces together. So if you're a Philly fan, you're sitting here like, well, why can't we just like get a decent line going? And as far as Carson Wentz goes, like I know it was raining yesterday in Cleveland, but that pick six, was one of the worst passes I've seen this season. It was, yeah, it was like, it was tough. He's doing his best, like, Jameis impression. Yeah, it was rough. Except without the yardage. um, Or the 31 touchdowns. I meant to say this when we were talking about J.K. Dobbins, or uh, when we were talking about Mark Cooper and C.D. Lamb, because they played the Vikings. Adam Thielen is on the COVID-19 list. So that doesn't, doesn't mean he has it. But it does mean that he likely will miss this week. We shall see. Ben Roethlisberger was put on the list and then played the next that game that that week. So, but uh, hopefully, Adam Thielen, who has come back in a major way, scoring two touchdowns in back to back games, uh, is healthy and will be playing for week oh, 12, whatever week you're in. If not, Justin Jefferson's about to ball out. Uh, all right, before we go, quickly, everyone, one waiver wire target, your top guy, Clark, who you got? So this is long-term, and for teams that are cruising pretty easily into the playoffs and you have a spot, Cam Akers is just really good, and I don't understand why he's not getting the ball. He's only owned in about 30% of leagues. So this isn't an addition for you to pick up and play this week. I just don't know how the second-round pick for this year doesn't get more play at some point during this year. So go pick him up while he's free, because I just feel like the Rams are going to go to him. Nick, what about you? I don't know because I didn't see this part of the show notes. Jordan, what about you? Um, so this one uh, might be a little bit tough, but I'm going with Des Bryant. Uh, he's yes! 43% rostered in leagues. Um, he he got five targets yesterday, and he damn right he did. Already kind of looks like the best receiver that Baltimore has. Uh, if 
um, J.K. Dobbins and uh, Mark Ingram missed extended time. That might be forcing them to throw the ball a little more than they would like. Um, and they play the Steelers next week, but they do have matchups against the Cowboys, uh, against the Jaguars, against the Giants. And in week 14, they play the Browns, who have been relatively solid, but I think that they can play them pretty tough. So and I played all you guys because I actually wanted to tell you about Michael Pittman Jr. No, you son of a bitch! That was mine! All right, oh, on. that's... that's. Go ahead, okay. Nick. You deserve it because you didn't do your notes until now. Yeah, I just fucked up the show. Well, <laughs> anyway, he, he's been he's been great back-to-back weeks. He gets Tennessee, Houston, Las Vegas, Houston over the next four weeks. Hey. Pittsburgh in the championship, <laughs> but, I mean, for four weeks straight, he's going to crush. Yeah. I completely agree with that. Um, all right, I will go with... Uh, Let's go with Rashard Higgins. Give him a little bit of love. We haven't seen the Browns passing game for like the last three weeks because of the fact that they've just been in like a torrential windstorm that's just like hovering over Cleveland. But you still like the target share that Higgins has got. He's seen at least four targets in three of the Browns' last four games, which doesn't sound much, but Baker has averaged 23 pass attempts in those games because of the aforementioned windstorm. And uh, they get to play the Jaguars next. So I like, I like Rashard Higgins to still be a viable part of this Browns passing game when they decide to pass. Uh, he's also had 48 yards or more in those uh, last three games. So he's, he's getting the ball and he's uh, doing stuff with it. So Rashard Higgins, take a flyer on him. Why not? This is what happens when Nick throws me a curveball and, and makes me pick on the fly. Like an I'm asshole. really done with waivers. I'm just, I'm so happy that Nick Chubb is back and Nick Chubb oh. again. Did you see as, that stiff arm where he just ended a man's career? As senior vice president of the Nick Chubb fan club, I just I love watching him play. He's so yes. good. He is he is very, very effing good. I apologize. I think I had some take during the offseason where Kareem Hunt was the better running back in for that. I apologize. Kareem Hunt is also very good. Also very good. That's really frustrating as someone who has acquired Nick Chubb just everywhere is the only reason he's not Dalvin Cook is because of that pesky Kareem Hunt. And I want to get watch, the watching them, ha- watching them hammer Kareem Hunt at the goal line yesterday was incredibly <laughs> frustrating. Like, it, <laughs> right. it was very tough. Uh, all right. Well, there you go. That's a good old week 11 takeaways and some recap in. Make sure you subscribe to the Fake Teams podcast wherever you get your podcasts. iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher. That's how you'll not only get us, but also our fantasy baseball and fantasy basketball podcasts. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at RB1 Podcast. Follow myself at Pete M. Rogers. Follow Clark at NFL Clark. Jordan at Jordan underscore Smith 27. And Nick at Ginger underscore underscore Nick without a K. We will be back at you on Thursday, Thanksgiving. I believe. Wow, we didn't even talk about how people are celebrating Thanksgiving. Hopefully home and safe. Uh, we'll have starts and sits for you then. Until then. Peace.